0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the National Governors Association's brand new innovation podcast series, Ahead of the Curve. I'm Brian Sandoval, Governor of Nevada and Chair of the National Governors Association. Through my NGA Chairs initiative, Ahead of the Curve, Innovation Governors, I've been helping my fellow governors prepare their states for the ongoing technology disruption in the energy and transportation sectors. And that is what we are here to discuss as part of the NGA Innovation podcast series. This episode focuses on how the developments in blockchain technology are helping to support new advancements in the energy sector. We will feature a discussion with some of the principal thought leaders in this area. You can find more information about this podcast and my initiative on our website, ngahead.org. I'll now hand the mic over to Sue Gander at the National Governors Association to begin our conversation.
1: Thank you, Governor Sandoval, and welcome, everyone. We're very excited to help explore one of today's hottest technology topics, blockchain, and what it means in the world of energy technology disruption. So to help us do that today, we're joined by Matt Golden. He's the Chief Executive Officer for a group called Open Energy Efficiency, and they work with utilities and government agencies and and private companies around a couple of areas that make use of this blockchain technology. So they track energy use and savings using smart meter data and enable what's known as pay-for-performance markets and demand-side capacity. We're going to get into all that in a moment, but let me just say welcome to Matt. Thank you.
2: Happy to be here.
1: Great. Matt, blockchain, it's this new buzz term. You hear it everywhere. And, you know, like so many other technology terms, it's one that many folks really don't necessarily understand. They kind of use it. But, you know, I myself like say it and I'm not really sure I'm using it in the right, you know, context. Do you have a nice simple explanation for blockchain technology?
2: I'll do my best. Um, and, and there's actually is definitely there's a lot of buzz. And there's actually a lot of confusion between blockchain technology and various business models using blockchain, which can vary a whole lot. But the fundamental technology of blockchain, it's kind of like TCP IP is to the web. And and you may not know what TCP IP is. And that's the point. It's an underlying technology that enables everything you do. And uh, how you apply it will vary. You can get really great outcomes. And you can also get some rather silly things that don't work. So uh, TCP IP enables the web, and on the web, you get good ideas and bad. Same thing with blockchain. So there's actually some literal aspect of the word blockchain. It is literally a chain of blocks linked together, and each block contains data or a transactional record. And really, at its core, that's what it is. It's a, it's another way to think about it would be as a distributed database. And that's not a perfect analogy. But rather than having a centralized ledger, you know, you would generally go in and you do a transaction through your bank and they hold the ledger that keeps track of your money and how it's being transacted. And they're in control of it. It's on their servers. It's behind their firewall. No one else can see it. And you pay them for that privilege. Blockchain is a distributed technology that leverages encryption to decentralize those transactions. And so each block in the chain is actually connected to the block in front of it and behind it which means that you can't actually mess with it without screwing up this chain, right? You can't go in and edit a block, so it's immutable, right? It never, it's impossible to change by anybody, any party. And so it's a way to record information that's encrypted so only the right folks can actually view uh, the blocks in the chain they have access to. And when you hear about a token or a cryptological key, that's what really gives you access to the data that's on the chain. Um, But the chain doesn't live in a central location. Uh, There's replicated, chains that exist throughout the network and so everybody has this complete copy of all of the transactions but it's fully encrypted and again you can you can view the parts that you have access to but all of the all of it is actually there and these blockchains are always coming into consensus so meaning that they have to be when you do a transaction uh, all of the different blockchains have to agree that that transaction occurred and it's replicated on all of these chains that can live on everybody's nodes so you have this complete replica and so that's At its core, it's a distributed way to share data, transact in data that doesn't require a middleman. Um, And so the industries that it's going to have the most effect on uh, are those that you typically have someone in the middle. So things like banking and insurance and energy.
1: I think I'm getting closer to understanding it. And, you know, it does sound simpler than I had thought as, as you've described it. What is it that makes it so transformative and disruptive? What What is it about getting out of having this middleman or what have you and, and having the encryption and all that? How does that make things so different? Or does it make it so different, I guess?
2: it's really a, has the potential to democratize a lot of these industries and really democratize access to data. So you're, and, and do that in a way that creates trust across all parties. One way to describe, and, and the way it's been described is blockchain is the trust machine. You can actually have, complete confidence in the data you're seeing even though there's no you know paid third party verifying it and so this can have huge implications when you know you can trade between parties without having a bank or a credit card company holding that central ledger in the middle uh, it reduces transaction costs and it again allows you know individual parties or participants in the blockchain ecosystem to transact with these other directly. Uh, but again, have the same or even a greater level of trust between those parties. So this uh, can have huge implications in things like energy, where we're moving away from kind of a centralized grid with a utility that tracks supply on one side and demand on the other, and who's producing electrons and who's using them and sends people bills. And there's this vast potential for these participants to actually transact directly with each other, which can be really scary. And it has... Vast implications to these existing industries, and that's where the disruptive part comes in. Um, and also, there's a lot of implications on how we think about regulation and, and uh, kind of policy-wise, where the grid or the or frankly, banking or maybe under other industries are actually headed.
1: You brought up the energy sector, and and let's just go there because we're really interested in that connection between how blockchain and impacts and can impact um, transactions within the energy sector. Are there some particular use cases uh, maybe in the work that you do with open energy efficiency that you can tell us about that kind of illustrate how this technology is being used?
2: Yeah, there, there are many different use cases out there. And so that's the first thing. There is no you know, blockchain for energy use case. There are use cases. Um, some of them really exciting and revolutionary. Some of them very similar to existing business models and use cases, but now being done on chain and some of them that don't necessarily make any sense at all. Um, and you think of those use cases really as business models. You know, there's And, and from a regulatory and a policy standpoint, we don't necessarily know right now which, which of these things are going to work and which aren't at scale. And that's important. Differentiating between the technologies and the attributes of blockchain that can be really powerful from a regulatory and, and a market standpoint and the different implementations that people are coming up with of this technology. It's not either or, it's. We can, we can value blockchain for what it provides to, in terms of transparency and enabling distributed transactions and enabling a different, potentially much better way to regulate from those use cases. And so some of the common use cases we see out there, and I'm not going to give too much of my personal opinion on, on many of them, but there's a lot of folks looking at using blockchain as a means for peer-to-peer transactions uh, can, you know individual customers transact. With other customers, you know, charging my Tesla, can I use your solar off your house? Or if you turn off your lights, right, does that balance my demand? That's kind of one use case out there. There's quite a bit of activity in. There's also an awful lot of businesses that are, look a lot like rec trading schemes of one one kind or another.
1: Can you Where, just yeah. interrupt here for a second? Uh, define rec for folks who may not know that term.
2: Nope. Renewable energy credits, carbon right. credits, you know, where you can track at a, at a site level, an individual takes an action and they reduce their carbon footprint. And in, in many regulatory environments, that could result in a carbon credit. This is an immutable way to allow them to track that impact and potentially trade it with others. Very valid use case. Uh, it's And again, one of the questions always has to be, that's a that's a model that can be enabled by blockchain, but doesn't necessarily have to be enabled by blockchain. Um, and there's some advantages and potential disadvantages for using a, a technology like blockchain for that type of a, an approach. And so fundamentally, within each of those kind of approaches, there are many different companies deploying variants and different business models. And again, I think one of the key things from like a regulatory policy standpoint is not getting wrapped up in the use cases, you know, but just like any, you know, solar leases, PPAs, charging stations, you know, how one actually goes about deploying it, how you pay your customers, your customers pay, and different folks uh, actually transact is, is, a business model, right? And just because it's on blockchain doesn't really change that. And so it's really important to think about, you know, the policy regulatory structural goals, um, how blockchain can help enable those, but ideally not get in the position of like, looking at and trying to determine which of these business models are really gonna be the revolutionary models. Now, in terms of how open energy efficiency is using blockchain, we, we're actually taking a pretty straightforward approach. We're helping companies who are out engaging customers, finance firms, program implementers, technology providers, companies that are deploying business models and technologies to end customers in buildings that are reducing demand um, and, and particularly changing load shapes by, by reducing demand over time and at specific times. And this is just a good example of a very complicated environment that's being created where you know, it's no longer a centralized utility program, but it's lots of companies competing to deliver solutions to customers, having different impacts on different locations in the grid at different times. And we're, we're moving from a relatively simple environment where a p- utility might hire a program implementer who manages 100 contractors, who go sells furnaces to customers with a rebate. And it's a direct line. They're providing, they're getting a rebate and they're providing certain amounts of data that kind of directly rolls up to the utility. And that's a good use case for a central system, right? The utility can manage that. and It's not a straight line. The world that we're moving into in energy efficiency, but generally across the grid with distributed energy resources, is much more complicated. There's some great benefits to the complexity because we're going to get more more innovation and more private capital and and ideally a lot more adoption. Um, But we're no longer dealing with these one-to-one relationships, it's really many to many. So we have companies, aggregators, we call them out, you know, working with different contractors, engaging customers, deploying a whole plethora of different business models, different types of technologies, different financing mechanisms. And these aggregators have contracts with, in many cases, already multiple utilities. We have, it's no longer in California, where we come from. It used to really be primarily the four investor-owned utilities, but we have now community choice aggregators, which are propping up all over the state. We've got municipal utilities running programs acquiring savings. And so you find aggregators that have relationships with multiple utilities and multiple aggregators. And we need a way to track all of that complexity, making sure that they're not selling the same savings to two different utilities and making sure that there's transparency so we can track what's the impacts that's happening so that it can be rolled into the forecast for the state. And this becomes really hard to do in a traditional model. The complexity of trying to model all that business logic and track all of these transactions Uh, It's not clear who the central authority is who should do that, and it's very not clear that it's really possible to maintain a a traditional database that tracks multiple layers of complexity and all these complicated interactions, and there's really nobody necessarily, potentially the regulator, but currently nobody that has the visibility across all of these activities. Um, And so blockchain is a really elegant solution to track the transactions that are occurring Transact in what is very highly confidential data in a very secure manner and enable utilities to have confidence that the savings they're investing in are real and that they're the only ones buying them and give the the regulators the ability to actually track on a much more real-time basis everything that's going on in the market uh, to make sure that the public interest is served.
1: Matt, that's great. It sounds like there's a lot of great opportunities there. What are some of the lessons learned? What are some of the things that states should be aware of that may not make sense with this technology?
2: I think one of the biggest lessons is that blockchain is not Bitcoin. It is, again, a fundamental technology that has great applications. And things like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are a use case for blockchain. So there's a lot of kind of mistaken identity as you look at the volatility in the blockchain markets and that is an application of how you can use blockchain because it creates immutability uh, and a finite resource. Right? You, these blockchains can't be replicated. And, that, and so there's a lot of confusion about blockchain and Bitcoin. And these are, again, really, Bitcoin is built on blockchain, but they're not synonymous. That's a fundamental caution is just don't confuse, again, the use cases and the business models with that underlying technology. And then I would just there, caution that anything can be a scam. Right, <laughs> the fraud can occur anywhere in any market. And so just, it, just because it's blockchain doesn't mean it's good, doesn't mean it's real. And kind of in this gold rush last year, where hundreds of billions of dollars poured into initial coin offerings around the globe, the fundamentals weren't necessarily there on most, potentially 80% of these ICOs were not really what they meant to be, were not what they were presented as. And so there's a lot of, I, I wouldn't actually say that you, you need to treat these blockchain blockchain and these these business models with the same level of rigor and due diligence as you would any investment or looking at any business model the fact that they're blockchain based can mean they're much more transparent but does not fundamentally mean that it's real or it's going to work and and that's really where the regulatory role comes in and you know we can't we can't just whitewash and blockchain is as as this great solution uh, we need to really think critically about how it's being deployed and again, um, make sure that the fundamentals are in place.
1: Matt, can we go back to transparency? That's come up a couple times. What are some of the ways that we can make sure that this transparency actually takes hold? And are there things that regulators or others need to do to really unlock this opportunity for greater transparency?
2: Yeah, so blockchain is either entirely opaque and secure if you don't have access or completely transparent if you do. So, you know, I can literally look at Bitcoin as a blockchain, and it's just one of the most active blockchains. And you can see exactly how many Bitcoins are out there, how often they're being transacted, but it's impossible to know who owns them, right? Or who are the counterparties in those transactions? So, you know, on one level, from a data and a security standpoint, you know, we hear about, you know, uh, people stealing cryptological keys, but nobody's ever broken the blockchain itself. And so it's actually a much more secure way to store and transact data than a traditional central database. And it takes a little while to get used to that idea. It's not a, there's no way to perfectly secure anything, but ultimately in blockchain, the, the thing that you have to worry about is this key that you're given, this path, was essentially a, a fancy, long, complicated password. And that's like currency, meaning it's, and if somebody, if you were to drop a piece of paper that has your blockchain hash, your password, your cryptological key that's like dropping a $20 bill. There's no way to recover, it, right? So that, that's really where kind of the security aspect comes in. But relative to kind of regulation and, um, and thinking about how to leverage and make sure we are able to regulate blockchain you know, in the real world, it's all about ensuring access. And so again, if the regulators are ignoring blockchain and these chains emerge and that's what's being used to manage distributed energy resources, it's initially, and out of the box, totally opaque. However, through policy, legislation, and regulation, we have the ability to make put requirements, especially on the utility sector that are regulated typically, that says, if you're going to use blockchain, you need to give us access to these transactions and the data within them. And that access can be very tightly controlled, um, which is also one of the positive attributes, where you can determine which parties get to see what parts of each transaction. So it's a great way to secure Personal data and other things that we that we don't want to get out. We always know who has access to everything. Um, But but if regulated properly, you know, regulatory agencies can actually be able to view the blockchain in real time and see exactly what transactions are occurring, uh, how much energy is being saved, or how much storage is being deployed. And again, it can be done in a way that means you know some parties might see personal level individual data uh, like a utility and looking at their customers, but you, on top of that, we're able to share, for example, the impact of a portfolio or just the impact of individual customers to the regulators. And they can be competent because they're looking at that same immutable ledger that what they're seeing is the actual data, the actual transactions. And so it's really about making sure fundamentally that as blockchain is being deployed, that regulators and policymakers are being able to leverage that data for ensuring that customers are getting what they're paid for, making sure rate funds are being spent properly and integrating um, all of this activity into forecasting and planning. Um, and so really the focus should be on smart regulations that within, you know, that give the access that is available to the regulator so that they can start using this new visibility into the data to regulate smarter, to reduce overhead and, and hopefully to move away from prescriptive regulation and being able to, because you can access this data, focus more on performance and, and
1: outcomes. For some of the state officials listening to this podcast, can you think of a couple of questions that they should be asking as they hear about this technology? Are there some, some sort of like top issues and criteria that they should be looking for?
2: So there's definitely a question of governance as these chains get used for accounting for the grid and public transactions. So one should definitely pay attention to how the chain is governed. And that can vary quite a bit. It can be done through a foundation. It can be holders of tokens or transactions, have a vote. Uh, There's a lot of different methods out there. It's probably a bit of a rabbit hole that I won't dive too deeply into, but governance of the blockchain is really critical and making sure that we're adopting transparent, properly governed blockchains when we're dealing with public dollars is really important. And then fundamentally, looking at what data is being stored on chain and of that data, what is necessary and what, what is reasonable for the utilities and others who are party of this transaction to make available to the regulators, to the policymakers, at what level of granularity to ensure privacy to the customer, but make sure that this data that's being generated and the access and the ability to regulate is in place. Because the other side of blockchain is that if you don't have access, it is entirely opaque. Um, which, again, is a really good thing from a data security standpoint. Um, you know, we're able to store lots of customers' data on-chain and lots of utilities' activities all on the same on the same immutable data, the, the same blockchain. But you're only able to see the aspects of it that you have rights to. So that's actually a really good thing uh, from a data security standpoint. But uh, it's also, if not set up right, it can be challenging from a regulatory standpoint. Um, however, if it is set up right, you get this unprecedented new ability to actually see what's going on and not, you know, at four years later in a big report after pulling teeth and getting giant csv files, but really on a real-time basis.
1: Hey, well, we're going to wrap up this episode, Matt. Thank you very much for sharing with us your experience using using blockchain and how that's working in in the energy sector. You know, we expect to see this taking hold more and more as we look down the road, and we appreciate you helping us help states stay ahead of the curve.
2: Thank you for having us. And uh, my parting words would be embrace blockchain. It really is disruptive and incredibly valuable, especially as we head into these more distributed markets. But take a forward-leaning approach to how one thinks about regulating it and make sure that we're serving private and public interests at the same time.
1: Great. Thank you.